We're in a series called Grace and Truth, and actually in totality, uh, today is part seven of that series. So if you are here today and you've missed part of the series, I want to encourage you to go back and listen on our audio or video podcast on-demand options. The premise of the series comes from John chapter 1, verse 14, where the Bible says that Jesus, in His earthly ministry, was full of grace and truth. And the question becomes, how do we live in our world today like Jesus? How do we live with soft edges or a compassionate kind edge, yet maintaining a, a firm, non-compromising center? And we're to the place in this series where now we're beginning to talk about how we navigate different groups of people. Last week we ended there by defining some different groups of people that we interact with. We interact with people who are not Jesus followers at all, or we call them non-believers. We interact with people who, today I'll, I'll mention briefly, we interact with people who have just made a decision to follow Jesus. They're brand new to this faith walk. We've, we interact with people who have followed Jesus, but perhaps they are in danger of allowing wrong influence in their lives. These may be people who have, have been following Jesus for a long time, but there have come some voices in their lives that have tempted them to follow the influence that does not align with the Scripture. And then there are people in our world who we interact with who claim to be Christians, who claim to be Christ followers, but perhaps have it a little bit confused as to what that means. And we might would refer to those as name-only or nominal Christians. In fact, every religion has nominal followers, people who aren't necessarily really giving themselves to the full commands of any religion, but it's true in the Christian faith as well. Today I'm only going to be able to focus on two groups of people because I believe it's going to take us a few moments to flesh out these thoughts. I want to start today talking about our interactions with people who are not following Jesus. Simple term being non-believers, people who are not following Jesus. Remember last week we talked about how a Jesus follower not only believes in the finished work of Jesus at the initial point of that journey at salvation, but a Christ follower is continually pointed towards Christ. It doesn't mean that we never mess up. It doesn't mean that we don't sometimes fall short. It doesn't mean that we still don't need God's grace. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But it means our direction is pointed towards Christ. We love Him. We want to serve Him. We want to be yielded to His commandments. We want to pay attention to what He says about our lives. So therefore, if people who are following Jesus are pointed His direction then we can simply say that people who are not following Jesus have their back to God. Does that make sense? Now, there's a lot of different ways to describe this. Some people claim to be atheists. Some people claim to be agnostic. Some people uh, don't claim any of those terms, but they would say that they are not walking with God. Uh, they, in their lives to this point, have, have paid no attention to God, paid no attention to God's Word. They're going through life every day of their lives without any consideration for what, what God would have to say or who God is. The truth is, when it comes to people who are not following Jesus, you likely encounter some of these people every day in your life. If, if you work in the marketplace, if you have family members or friends, or if you live in a neighborhood not isolated by yourself, 
then you probably interact with people who are not following Jesus. The results of so many people not following Jesus in our world is on display each and every day. I mean, unless you are insulated and hibernating in your life, you encounter the reality that there are many people who are not following Jesus. And it's tempting as believers, as Christ followers, to get caught up in our lives in pointing the finger and saying things like, describing how bad the world is and how in the world can people think like they do. It becomes easy to point fingers at at the world, the philosophies and the rejection of God's truth and the overall system we see at work in our world and to talk about how bad it has become. I said last week, how many of us at some point recently maybe have said something to the effect of, I never thought I would live long enough to see fill in the blank, right? How many of you said that before? I never thought I'd see the day when fill in the blank. It's easy to become passionate about what we're seeing. It doesn't take much to recognize that there is a sin issue in our world. The challenge for us is that we need to remember talk is cheap. Engagement is the only way we're going to help people respond to the gospel. Just pointing fingers at the world... And talking about how bad the world is, and talking about how bad the philosophies are, and talking about how people reject truth, that's not enough. We've got to engage in connections with people in order to point them to Jesus. Now before we talk some practical steps, and perhaps today some of this will be the most practical of this series, but before we talk about practical steps of engaging those who do not follow Jesus... I think it's important first to have the right perspective about these individuals and about our interactions. Number one, I want to challenge you today to remember all people matter to God. All people matter to God. So no no matter what classification you could try to put on someone else, no matter what you think of them, no matter what race, ethnicity, uh, 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 origination of destination, no matter what they've done, where they've come from, how they live, no matter any of those things that you can describe people as, none of that ultimately causes God to quit loving people. God cares about every soul, every person matters to God. So we have to remember that. I think there's a temptation at times, and I I saw it play out years ago when most of us will remember the attacks of September 11th. And I've seen throughout the years that as a result of different terrorist groups and organizations and attacks and things of that nature, that people have begun to make assumptions about all people that may be part of one race or ethnicity based on that one event. Now, I'm not telling you that there are not people in our world who want to do evil. And I'm not telling you that there aren't people that would want to do harm to others. But I am telling you that the worst person you can think of, the worst person you could describe that would fit any category you can think of, that person still matters to God. Jesus died that every person could have the opportunity to hear the gospel, to be set free, to be delivered, to be saved, to have eternal life with Him. If you have problems with different types of people, be glad that God's going to change us when we go to heaven because that's going to be a lot like it. 
The Bible describes every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language. All types of different people coming to heaven to be together. We need to remember people matter to God. Secondly, we need to remember that what we're seeing play out in the lives of individuals and overall in our world, these things that we see are symptoms of a deeper issue. Symptoms of a deeper issue. Here's the truth about people. The heart of the matter is the matter of the human heart. The issue is the human heart. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when we hear things and see things and, and we struggle to understand how can people live this way, how can people talk this way, how can people act this way, how can people think this way, it's a deeper issue than just the symptoms we see on the surface. At the heart of the matter is the matter of the human heart and a heart infected by sin, the sin problem, will never live like Christ. We're seeing the symptoms. Until the heart is changed, the symptoms won't change. The habits, the actions, the words, the sins of individuals are evidence of the condition of their heart. Until the heart is changed, the symptoms won't change. Listen to me. This is why you will never legislate behavioral change. There are many things in our world that are illegal by law, and yet people do these things and possess these types of things every day. Why? Because behavior will not change until the heart changes. We see sin on display because the heart is infected with the sin problem. So remember, I'm not excusing how people are living. We're not excusing their, their lives and lifestyles. We're not saying that. We're simply saying that there's a deeper issue that only Jesus and only the truth of the gospel is going to be able to change. I can't change a human heart. i got to tell you, there have been times in life that I've been frustrated in myself because I've wanted to be able to grab a few people and shake them by the shoulders and say, Don't you know that Jesus can set you free? But I've realized that I have to be obedient to God and I have to trust God and the work of the Holy Spirit to change someone's heart. And what I can't do, He can do every day that we live. So we need to remember that the symptoms are just evidence of a deeper problem and that deeper problem can only be solved by Jesus. Thirdly, people should not, listen closely, people should not be told to change in order to get to God, they should be invited to God who will change their lives. People shouldn't be told to change to get to God. They should be invited to God who will change their lives. Listen closely. If your viewpoint is that people should stop living a certain way before they can get to God, you've missed the entirety of the gospel message. They can't stop living the way they're living because there's a deeper issue. They're not full of the power of the Holy Spirit. They don't have the helper in their lives. The gospel isn't clean up to get up. The gospel is reach up to God and He will change your life. There ought to be a few more amens to that one today. 
Because every one of us in the room were in that spot. We didn't deserve grace. We didn't deserve the work of God. We didn't deserve salvation. We don't deserve eternal life. But when we reached up to God from our mess, He changed our lives. He forgave us of the past. He set us on a new trajectory for the future. And God is still at work in our lives all because of His grace. We should be a grateful people because of that. Is it okay if I preach a little bit today? Judge your neighbor and and tell them to wake up this morning, I guess. God welcomes, God forgives, God is gracious, and He transforms lives when we believe in Him. And that's how the church should be. Remember the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. The church should be a place and a people that, that people can come and seek truth and a people will welcome them with open arms no matter the symptoms of sin that are present in their lives. I'm not suggesting that they're part of the body of Christ without being saved and I'm not suggesting they should serve in some capacity and certainly not lead in some capacity before they're saved. But I am saying what it means is we should be a place that anyone anywhere in life is welcome that they can encounter Jesus because if If a person encounters Jesus, they will never be the same again. Jesus still changes lives. So, let's talk a few practical steps. How do we engage people whose back is to God? How do we we help turn their perspective? How do we help point them to Christ? Let me give you a few practical thoughts today. First of all, if you're taking notes... I want to challenge you to personally embrace the Great Commission. The Great Commission is what we term Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. When we read those verses of Scripture, first of all, they are commandments from Jesus not options. I said before that Christianity is not supposed to be a buffet that we just walk by and I'll take a little of this and I'll take a little of that, but I want to skip that part. Too many believers these days are skipping the Great Commission part. We are to make disciples. This isn't just for me. This isn't just for our staff. This isn't just for the leadership of a local church. This isn't just for the spiritually elite who have a way with words. None of that. This is a command from God to all Christ followers. If we are truly following Christ, we are then to help other people follow Christ. I mean, don't we have what people need? I mean, really, get down to the brass tacks of the whole thing. The issue in our world today is that people need Jesus more than anything else. And we know the answer. We know the hope. We know the source of hope. We know the source of joy. We know the source of peace. We know the only source of salvation. We know that God sets people free. We are those who testify to the fact and reality that Jesus still changes lives. And how dare we would sit on our hands and keep our mouths shut when we have what people need. 
I mean, think about it. If you watch a good movie, if you eat at a good restaurant, if you have a good experience somewhere, you're going to tell somebody else about that, right? Word of mouth advertising is the cheapest, most effective ways that people can communicate their product or their business. How much more should the body of Christ be communicating about Jesus? We've encountered the one who has changed our lives and the one who we're on a journey with. And if we're not passionate about that, then maybe we need to pause for a moment and make sure we're where we need to be. Well, since that's so popular. (laughs) For following Christ, we help others follow Christ. Think about it. Study Jesus and study the first century church. Study the works of Jesus in the Gospels. Study the first century church throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. And then what our prayer should be is, Lord, help us to be full of that power, courageous and bold, active in sharing the gospel just like they were. Acts should not be a book of the Bible that we read about history. Acts should be an ongoing work of the believers' lives today. Secondly, not only should you personally embrace the Great Commission, secondly, I can't challenge you enough to be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't shy away from and I'm not ashamed to tell you that I believe in spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in another language, but I'm telling you that speaking in another language is not the only fruit of what the power of God does in our lives. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that God, the Holy Spirit, would empower us to be witnesses for Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. We need to continually ask God to fill and to refill our lives with His power. Because when we are full of His power, we will be the representatives of Jesus we need to be. What spills out of our lives will be motivated by the heart of God and led by the power of God. And the Holy Spirit will always help us to point people to Jesus who is the one they really need to encounter. It's not even in my notes, but I'll just tell you that you should carve time in your calendar for September 23rd through 25th because it's going to be a weekend to experience the power of God like never before. When we talk about this Holy Spirit conference or this experience weekend, we're talking about we as people recognize we need God, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will position ourselves for Him to do incredible, miraculous things in our lives. I can't challenge you enough to make that a priority. Now is not the time for the body of Christ to be lukewarm, spiritually weak. Now is not the time for us to turn away and not give enough attention to God. If anything, in the day we're living, now is the time for us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to be full of the Holy Spirit, clinging to the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. Thirdly, Show kindness towards others. If we want to reach people whose back is towards God, then we need to be kind towards them. We're not talking about compromising. We're talking about soft edges that still have the firm center. Even Galatians 5 talks about how the fruit of the Spirit includes a work of kindness through our lives. You can share, people, you can share the truth with people without being jerks. Don't elbow your neighbor. We are to have compassion on people. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, you can find it in multiple places. This just happens to be the one we selected today. When he saw the crowds talking about Jesus. Now think about Jesus. Jesus is constantly pressed on by crowds. Jesus is dealing with all sorts of things going on. Everybody wants his attention. Everybody wants healing. Everybody wants all the things that only Jesus can do. And, and even in moments where he would try to pull the disciples away and try to get off to get them some rest, he knew at least they needed rest, but he did too. In those moments, the crowds would just follow. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion is more than just I'm sympathetic to what someone else is dealing with. Compassion is inwardly, I am motivated to take action to do something about what these people are facing. He had compassion on them, notice why, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus knew they needed him. Compassion means recognizing this people aren't going to live a way that they don't know. Jesus, Jesus recognized they didn't have a shepherd. The shepherd takes care of them, leads them, guides them, protects them, cleans them, shears them, all of these different things that you can talk about in the context of being a shepherd. Jesus recognized they didn't have a shepherd. He recognized they're not going to live a way that's following Jesus because they don't know Jesus. They don't know the way. They don't have a shepherd to point them. You and I, we follow Him. And if we live like Him with compassion and kindness, others will be drawn to Christ as well. How do we do that on a practical level? Let me, let me make a couple of real simple suggestions to you. First of all, and some of you may already do this, frequent the same places in your life. Frequent the same places. Have a habit of... Maybe where you do some of your meetings or your appointments or some of your work or some of your interactions, frequent those same places so that you can get to know people. i got to tell you, there's sometimes I've frequented a few places. I, I don't know if this is considered advertisement, but here we are. I love Original Pancake House. <laughs> and if you want to meet with me for breakfast, we can set up a time. I'd use more maple syrup probably than all the rest of the customers combined in that place. It's delicious. Delicious. But by being in the same place multiple times, you get to know the people who are there. You get to interact with them. You get to have an opportunity to say, how are you doing today? And you begin to engage in conversation. You consider those others as souls and as people with lives and with families and with situations and circumstances that they're going through. And you begin to be attentive to them more than just to yourself. You consider them valuable and it opens up the door. One small moment of kindness, one small moment of consideration for someone else goes a mighty long way to opening the door to just being able to talk to others other people. One. Secondly, uh, just a practical way of showing kindness. Please tip people well. Maybe that's a pet peeve. I don't know if it's in the scripture. If it is, it's probably in the deep Greek of the New Testament. But nonetheless, tip people well. When you tip them, leave a note. Smile at people. If you have joy, let the people around you know it. Some people need to not in this room, but some people that are joyous in life need to tell their face. Some of y'all were a little delayed in catching that, I noticed. 
We need to be prayerful that the Holy Spirit will help us to respond well as we interact in the marketplace, even when it's tempting to be impatient, because it will go a long way. Most of the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, they're waiting on you to blow up. They're expecting that if it goes wrong, you're going to be mad at them. They're expecting when that order of food is late that you're going to have something to say. They're not expecting a smile. They're not expecting kindness. It gives a different attitude towards people. Another way to show kindness, and this one perhaps some people struggle with a little bit, but invite people to eat with you or invite people into your home. Some people will ask the question, can you have a meal with someone whose back is turned to God, someone who's not saved without engaging in sin or becoming like them? The answer is yes, Jesus did it. I mean, really, Jesus did it. He was accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners, and yet the Bible gives no indication Jesus never sinned with them, but He interacted with them and showed kindness and compassion and saw many of those that people would consider to be the scum of society be the very ones who came to follow Him. Most of us live near somebody else. If you don't, then... Minister to your cows, I guess, in the field. But most of us interact with people. We have opportunity to show kindness. We have opportunity to enter into relationship with them. Next, I would say, not only all the things we already mentioned, but also engage in conversations. It's very simple. If we never talk to anyone, how are we going to ever reach anyone? I mean, some of you like to talk. Why not talk for Jesus? Some of you hate to talk. Talk anyway. (laughs) Paying attention. Listening. So it's not just the talking part. It's also being the reverse to pay attention and to listen and to be led of the Spirit to help you know what questions to ask and how to lead the conversation. By the way, that's a good principle in life. Whether you lead people or you're interacting with people, one of the great principles of life is rather than making statements that could come off as accusations, many times it's better to ask questions. Just put that in your back pocket and remember it. Tell others about how Jesus has changed your life. We should be a people who are sharing our experiences. We should be a people who are testifying firsthand. I didn't just get it from somebody else. Jesus worked in my life. Don't be ashamed. Don't be fearful. Don't be worried. Uh, Don't be hateful about it. Tell what you know. Tell who you know. And the Spirit of God, the, the Word of the Lord has promised that the Spirit of God will help us to do this. Also, lastly, I will say, when we're talking about engaging people with their backs turned to God, I would challenge you in a very simple way to walk through the open doors of opportunity. Take what God gives you. I think we pressure ourselves so often in life as believers that that maybe we would say, yeah, I want to engage in these conversations. I want to be a part of this, but, but I don't know how to get to that point. I don't know how to get to the meat of the conversation. Take the pressure off of yourself. Walk through the doors of opportunity that God gives you. We complicate this. 
Just walk through the doors that God opens. Kindness and compassion in your interactions leads to doors of opportunity and the Holy Spirit will help you to know how to walk through them and how to continue the conversation. And that conversation may start on your first visit to the original Pancake House. It may continue on your second or third visit. We don't have to pressure that by such and such a date, this has to happen and this has to happen. And this. Sometimes we even pressure ourselves there has to be a conversion within one conversation. Listen, I'd love for that to be the case every time, but we're dealing with a world that's very skeptical of religion in general, and we need to be led of the Spirit in these conversations and remember that God is the God of the long view, and He can take care of the timeline. Let's just be obedient people who walk through the doors of our opportunity and seize them. Okay, we've talked a lot about the people who are not following Jesus. If you'll give me five more minutes, because my time is up already, I want to talk to you really quickly about people who are new to following Jesus. Let's talk about new believers. I think it's important that we connect these dots. Now, a person who is a new believer or a new follower of Christ is a person whose back has been turned to God or who is not following Jesus. And now they've made a decision to believe in Jesus, believe in His finished work, and to follow Jesus with their lives. But remember, this is a brand new journey, right? Turn 180 degrees. This is a brand new journey. This is someone who has not been doing This is a big step. It's a courageous step. It's a big life change for someone who has a back towards God to then make a commitment to follow Jesus. It's truly a new life. How should we respond to that? Well, first, we should celebrate. New believers, new Christ followers, we should throw parties. When we baptize people in water because it is a, an evidence, it is a fruit, it is a response of obedience to what God's already doing inwardly, we should be excited about that. Because some, putting somebody in water is not just about them getting wet. It's about saying, I, my old life is dead, my new life is in Christ. So we should celebrate. Luke 15 says that the angels in heaven rejoice when even one sinner comes to know Jesus and we should be the same way. Secondly, we should commit to the journey with other people. Jesus, in his time on earth, invited 12 guys to follow him. They could be with him, they could learn from him, and they could learn to mimic him. Every new Christ follower needs somebody who will take that person under their wings, who will journey with them, who will be with them, who will talk with them, who they can learn from who will accept the attitude of the Apostle Paul when he said, follow me as I follow Christ. And maybe a better way for us to understand that is, let's be on this journey of following Christ together. Thirdly, we need to show the grace for growth just as we received and experienced in our own lives. What do I mean by that? Well, there are a number of new Christ followers that will have never read a Bible. I know that's hard for us to fathom in America. But I venture to say you're interacting with more people than you realize who never engage the Word of God. So that means when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, 
they're now learning to engage the Word of God for the first time or to re-engage the Word of God. It's not normal for them. It's new. It's a new life. It's a new way of living. They don't need to be treated as ignorant. We don't need to look down at them. We don't need to act like we're superior to them. But we need to love them. And we need someone who will journey with them through the Word of God. New Christ followers won't get everything right. But neither do you. The disciples didn't get everything right. They argued about who was the greatest in the kingdom. They often lacked faith in Jesus to do what was needed to be done, even though he'd proven himself many times. Does that sound familiar at all? Don't criticize the disciples too quick, because there's a lot of us in them. We help new Christ followers go on to maturity with the understanding that this is a journey of growth for them, just like it's been for us. Let me give you one last practical thought that has a few thoughts with it really quickly. We need to invest in others. What we're really talking about here is an old word that I think has become compromised through the years, not, not in a heretical way, but just in a it lost its meaning. We're, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about helping people truly follow Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we have to invest in other people. Investment in other people takes time. And one of the problems in an instant and busy society is that no one wants to give up their time. Thank you. Now, we can binge watch a Netflix series. We can take in a three to four hour sports game, or if it's a Saturday during college football season, we can take in three or four of them. Boy, it got quiet. Some of y'all are thinking about nailing me to the cross as we speak. (laughs) But we say we don't have time. We don't have time for this or time for that. And seriously don't have time to journey with people. Or we say things like it's inconvenient because new Christ followers, they're going to have a lot of questions. They're going to have moments of temptation where they need someone to pray with them. They're going to wrestle through doubts and fears. There's going to be a learning curve for a new Christ follower that takes time. It's going to be time consuming. But if we don't invest... The parable of the sower gives indication in Scripture that someone can make a decision to follow Jesus and accept the truth only for the enemy to come along and for life circumstances to come along and rip that truth and distract them from that truth and then turn them back away from Christ. As a Christ follower, we are commanded to make disciples. Two questions for you this morning. Who are you discipling or who are you mentoring? And who is mentoring you? Do you have an Apostle Paul type figure in your life that's ahead of you on the journey that talks to you and with you and is able to help point you to Christ? And are you then able to be an Apostle Paul type figure to a Timothy? And you can read all about this in Scripture where Timothy was the spiritual son of the Apostle Paul. Do you then have a Timothy like figure that you're pouring into and on the journey with too? We need to spend time with new new Christ followers. And it needs to be consistent. Same time, same place, have a passage of Scripture to study beforehand, talk it through. And and I would say especially some of the the older generations, the seasoned individuals that are part of EPAC today, I would say that you have a lot of wisdom and experience on this journey with Jesus that you can offer to others who are just starting their journey. Please, 
Do not see yourself as invaluable or unvaluable. Do not see yourself as, as having served all these years and now wondering where your place is. Your place, please, take some of these individuals under your wings and journey with them and pour into them the way Christ would want you to. And lastly, do life together. With new Christ followers, we, we invest in them by welcoming them into our lives and giving opportunities for them to be with us and to learn and to just learn the journey. I'll conclude with this. There was a guy named Mike. He was one of three boys, and these three kids were uh, the kids of a single mom, and there'd been a divorce when this guy, Mike, was two years old. At age seven, three brothers and their single mom found their way into a church consistently. They were there at that time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They were faithful every time. Now, it was perhaps a different kind of church. It's important for you to know that, that at that time, it would probably be, have been considered a much more legalistic type, rules type church than, than maybe what's known in our day and time. But nonetheless, they were faithful. An older lady came along and took this family under her wings. Spent time with them. Had those little pieces of candy that she'd give the boys every time they were at church. The family... The three boys, 11, 9, and 7 at this point, and the single mom would always sit with this older lady right behind the pastor on the second row at each service. What the family didn't know is that somehow they'd become kind of this project to the church. One Sunday night, as all moms do, as all parents do, she allowed one of the children to read a magazine during church. If you're a parent in the room, you know there are sometimes you'll look for anything to satisfy your child to keep them quiet in the important moments. The magazine was nothing other than, uh, if you remember the name Tony Hawk, he was a, a skateboarder, and they had a Tony Hawk magazine. All at once, the pastor stopped his message in the middle of the service and said to the mom, you and your boys need to get on out of here. You can come back when you get your act together and you're ready to live like the rest of us. Mike's mom rummaged through her things. They got all their stuff. And from the second row, they made their walk out of the building and no one said a word. Sounds crazy. But it's a true story. And for years... Mike battled and dealt with how they'd been treated. Today, I can tell you thankfully that Mike is a pastor of one of the largest growing churches in America because of the work of God and grace in his life. But what I want us to take away from this in this moment is this is what people mean sometimes when they say church people made me abandon the church. How do we engage people who don't follow Jesus and then how do we journey with Christ followers who just started following Jesus? I believe EPAG can be a place and a people 
where truth seekers and even skeptics are welcome to come in and find the answers they need. This can be a place where people can encounter Jesus and that we can be a people who do more than just sit in a service like this or sit on a chair and sit and soak and sour through the years, but rather we can be a people who engage the world around us. And then we can be a people who celebrate and journey with those who start to follow Jesus. Would you stand with me today if you're in the auditorium? And if you're online, would you maybe take a moment to respond with us as well? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And if you've been here long enough, you know that I ask you to do that not out of routine or not some religious exercise, but just so that you in this moment can focus and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And it could be a few different things. Maybe the Holy Spirit is drawing you to God and you recognize today you're not a Christ follower. Sin is the bad news. It affects every human being born into this world. But Jesus is the answer for sin and God loved us enough, the Father loved us enough that He gave His Son Jesus. And Jesus loved us enough that He willingly went through the pain and the shame and the punishment on the cross to die for our sins and for the punishment that we deserved. And now because He rose again, we can take Him at His word knowing that He will forgive anyone who calls on His name. We can have a relationship with God. We can be rescued, saved, and even pointed towards an eternity with God. So maybe today you're recognizing you're not a Christ follower. Maybe today you're one of those new Christ followers that you've just made a decision and you're saying, you know what? I, I need someone who will journey with me and walk with me, who will help me understand. I, I want to grow, but I, I need someone to be on that journey with me because I just don't know everything. Maybe that's you today. And your response is to say, I want to, I want to engage in a growing relationship to where I can grow in my walk with Christ. Maybe today you're here and you've been following Christ and and you're you're not a new follower of Christ. You've been following Christ, but today maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, there's a person in your life that you could pray for t- even now and that you can engage in conversation maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe this week. Maybe the Holy Spirit brings a specific person to your mind and maybe, maybe it's just that during the week He helps you to know who that person is and to walk through those doors of opportunity. Maybe in this moment your response is to say, God, use me. I want to help people whose backs are turned to God, people who aren't following Christ, to become Christ followers. I'm going to ask our prayer team and leadership to make themselves available on either side of the auditorium this morning. If they'll step out from where they are, those who are willing to pray with you today, would you come either side of the auditorium? And as they're moving into place, I want you to know today that whatever your response needs to be, if today you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, 
If today you're saying, I am a new Christ follower and I want to I wanna live this journey well, I want to do this well, I, I, I want to grow, I want to learn. If you're a person today who's saying, I want to be full of the power of God, to be bold and courageous, to tell other people about Jesus. If you have needs that maybe are totally different from the things we're talking about today, but they're weighing heavy on you today to the point that maybe maybe even during this service you've struggled to focus because of, of the weight you're feeling. In this moment, these who are available to pray with you will pray with you with any of those responses. I'm going to pray for you now, and then I'm going to ask you to respond as you need to today. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for helping us to look practically how to live out so many things that we've been talking about these last several weeks. And Lord, I thank you that today we've been challenged to be attentive to the world around us and to be attentive to those who make a decision to follow you. I pray, O Lord, that you would help us to be more active and more engaged with our world. I pray, O Lord, if there's any person online or here who wants to make a decision to follow you, Jesus, that they will respond today, that they will take that step towards you. I pray, O Lord, if there's a Christ follower in the room and, or a Christ follower online and they say, you know, I want to grow, I want to I learn, I want to I I live this journey well. And they're wanting to, to know how to do that. They're wanting someone that will journey with them. I pray, God, they'll take a step today. And Lord, we'll be able, we'll be able, Lord, to minister the way you desire for us to. I pray for needs in the room, heavy circumstances that may be going on for some, Lord, heavy circumstances and needs that may, may be in the lives of those online today. Maybe, maybe some weren't even able to make it in person because of some things that are going on. I pray, Lord, today that you would meet those needs even in these moments as we surrender to you. I pray, Lord, that you bless and keep this people that you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance ever be turned their direction, Lord, and grant them your peace. And as we move from this place, whether after praying or in this moment, may we go and represent you well. In Jesus' name I pray.